Welcome to Savvy Sabs podcast on Call-In. This is episode 26, Dave Chappelle Venue Cancel Show. Dave Chappelle recently had a show canceled by First Avenue Venue in Minneapolis, literally hours before the start time, due to activist anger about his jokes about the transgender community. Should comedians have to self-center? Censor, excuse me. What are your thoughts on this? And I already see we got people lined up in the queue. So everybody is aware of what has happened, what happened with Dave Chappelle. Um, now, you know, another venue did pick up the show. That was the varsity venue. So he still was able to perform. And that show also sold out as well. But I am getting a little bit worried here in reference to people coming after comedians. And one of the things that I was mentioning tonight on my show, I grew up with comedians that I think you would never hear today because of the level of censorship. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox. Well, I didn't grow up with Red Fox, but my parents told me about Red Fox. So I listened to some of his stuff as well. And I just, I'm really concerned at where this is heading. Uh, not just for comedians, but for arts and entertainment in general. I do have, obviously, a lot of you know empathy for trans, uh, the transgender community. I'm not transgender. I don't know what that's like. I don't know everything that they have to go through, but I can imagine that it's, it's, it's difficult for them. So I, I can't speak for that community. Um, so I defer to them on that. So I understand that some of the things that are said can be offensive uh, to some, not to all. But what does that mean in reference to censorship and when it comes to comedy? So Ashura, you're first up on the mic. Hi, Sally. Hello. Hello. Uh, on the Dave Chappelle thing, like, I don't know what the hell is going on with it. It's like most people just want to censor you for, you, you, you can't, you can't do jokes anymore. Even if the joke is constructed in a way not to harm you, but just to be funny to the point where everyone in the room laughs and to the point where it's not like half, half, where it's like 90% laugh. You got a 10% of people crossing their arms, making mad faces, but the overall, the comedy bit was good. But uh, with the Dave Chappelle thing, I'm like, it's mostly people who I see bitch about Dave Chappelle. It's basically white LGBT liberals. And you saw him with the, uh, uh, you did the Netflix, the Netflix uh, thing when he was doing that. You saw a bunch of them basically mad. It was mostly white liberals that I saw, a bunch of white LGBT people that I saw. You had some black ones, but the black ones, I think they were there to just be tokens. They weren't there to basically <clears throat> say anything. And as I kept watching more videos about people talking about it on YouTube, on comedy news, most LGBT uh, people who were trans, who were lesbians, who were gays, who were queers, a uh, bunch of them were comedians. And they basically laughed at the jokes. They were like, I don't see nothing there. It's mostly, they were mostly black people basically reacting to the jokes. So if black comedians are okay with the jokes, then why why are we pretending as if Dave Chappelle is harming the community? It's like it's not like when Dave Chappelle basically does a skit at the at the end of each skit he says, "Hey, 
go out there and go punch an LGBT community person. Go out there and kill one. He doesn't say that. And they say the same shit at the Jimmy Dore. When Jimmy Dore says a joke, they say, oh, Jimmy Dore's LGBTQ. Like, he hates LGBT people. Like, Jimmy Dore doesn't tell people to go hate or go kill you or go harm you. Like, what the fuck is that? Good points, Ashura. I mean, those are those are good observations. I think, you know, I, I do have this question because we want to talk about, like, the Black community. I think one of the things that we do have to deal with is the fact that I think Kanye West, Kanye West was right when he said that the African-American community still has a lot of homophobia. And that comes from the black church. And I've, I've talked about this before. That's really where that message comes from. Yeah. So do you think that's that could be part of the the factor as well is like people see it's like it's a black guy that's doing it. And we know that there's issues with homophobia in the black community. I'm wondering. So, basically, so you're saying that they want to zero in on just the black person. But if a white person does, it's like eh, nothing there. Well, I don't see them coming after anybody else. That's the thing. I, I don't see in where where is this same outrage towards white comedians? Do you, you see what I'm saying? Like Dave Chappelle. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Dave Chappelle's not the first comedian to make jokes about transgender community, uh, LGBTQ. He's not. But they're only coming after him. Yeah, and, and most of the jokes that Dave basically talks about are jokes that are basically some people do uh, when they're on their personal time, they're alone, they do, and basically he jokes about those things. And you you have even basically comedians that are from that community. They, they just they, they look at they hear the joke and, and they say like, yeah, we do that shit. So <laughs> what's the problem? Is it because a straight person is saying it? So if, if if a person from that community was saying, I guess it's okay. But if, if it's a person who's not gay saying it, that's bad. Well, so yeah, because some people do have that that belief. Some people will will tell you this. They'll say, I can talk about my people, but I can joke about my people, but you can't. Yeah, because the, the the fact that the I, I thought this was over with Dave Chappelle, like after the Netflix thing. And Me he too. did that. One. I, I thought it. Was, I thought it was done. And when he did that last bit, when he went out, when he said that what, what was his name, Hannah Gatsby, whatever her name was, is not funny. And he basically gave him a choosing of whatever day he wants that they basically meet them. He's like, <laughs> I, I was like, I thought that was over. It was quiet. I'm like, then he does another venue. Like, he was doing other venues after that. Yeah. So why this one now? He was doing other venues, so why this one? Why this particular one? Eh. And the venue people, man, they, what a bunch of what a. I'm sorry, I'm gonna cuss here. I, I know you, you're trying to, you're trying to get to where the level I'm at, but I cuss a lot. I'm like, what a bunch of bitches. I'm like, you can't even stand up to a bunch of people. Like, if the entire staff says they don't want to work that day, I don't know if it's every one of them or if they were basically blowing off steam. No, that they were basically pressuring the person. I would say, okay. Don't don't come to work that day. If you if, we're, if Dave Chappelle's gonna be on for three days straight, well, you'll have three days. You don't have to. You, you won't get a. You, you won't get a three days paid. We'll just fire. We'll, we'll just hire somebody from the list of people that basically I haven't hired yet. I'll just call them in and basically let them do the job. 
We'll do a quick training in the morning. Uh, well, what was interesting to me is the fact that it was 125 signatures. And the reason why I say that is because I've seen petitions that have thousands of signatures and nothing is done. But for this, all it took was 125 signatures. And was it the whole staff? Because it didn't even say if it was the entire staff. It's just like, it's crazy to me. The same venue where Prince, where, uh, Prince, where Prince would perform, Prince we're talking about. Yeah. And I know some of the things that Prince did on stage, but it's just like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. You said he's, he showed his ass cheeks. It's, it he seems did. like basically. He did. He showed his <laughs> ass cheeks, but somehow Dave Chappelle telling a joke is more offensive than some guy walking around in booty shorts and showing his ass cheeks. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. He did. Oh, man. Oh, well, thanks so much for calling in the show. I'm going to pick up the theater. Okay. All righty. Okay, Delthea, you are on the mic. Can you hear me now? I can. Oh, good. Um, There's a lot of things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them all because I would take too much time. I am going to say this. If something happens bad to someone in the LGBT community. It's not going to be because of something that a comedian said. It's going to be because of something a preacher said. Okay? If you really want to tamp down on homophobia, that's where you start. You start in the pulpit, not down at the comedy store. And I will let that go now, and y'all have a good evening. Thanks so much, Delphia. That is a very good point, because as I was mentioning earlier, a lot of this comes from the black church, not just the black church, but it comes from Christianity. Right. That's the reason why some people are homophobic and they'll even tell you, well, the Bible says that's why says this. And this is why I don't you know, think that what they're doing is right or I don't like that group. So that is a good point. And you know what? It, it makes me wonder, like, why aren't people protesting in front of some of these churches? Because I can tell you, as as someone who grew up in the church, if you think that there aren't LGBT, you know, Q people that are a part of the congregation, you are wrong. They are pretty much kind of forced to hide who they are, especially if, especially if you're in a position where the preacher is your dad. You know what I mean? Those people, they may be on the choir, they're a part of the congregation, or they're really active with the church. I've seen this happen throughout my whole life where people had to hide, they had to hide their sexuality because they were a part of the church and the black church would be like, no, you can't be that way. So why are more people protesting at some of these churches? That's a good point. All right, Eric. I'm going to bring you in. Oh, hey. Um, I guess I'll just pick up on my um, my comment on YouTube. Um, I mean, like I said, like comedians are social commentators. And, and especially like they're not really taking a side when they comment. So 
it's just basically it's just him talking about what's what we all see. Well, at least a particular community sees or a particular faction of people see. So coming after them is problematic, so no, like comedians should not have to self censor. And it's, it's basically like you said, it's having like you don't you don't want to hear it, don't hear it. You don't if you don't like them, ignore them. Like it's basic shit. And as far as it goes with with the black church, holy shit. Um, as black people, we got plenty of work to do in that regard. So, so yeah, that's that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It is, it is a really big problem. And those of you who are listening, I mean, I don't know if this is a big issue in uh, white churches. I, I don't know that. But I have gone to black churches and I've gone to, I guess you would call them multicultural uh, churches. And um, with the black church, it is it is a big issue. And I, I don't know, like, how do we, you know, Im- improve that, especially particularly in the South? Yeah. Call it the Bible. Yeah, I, I find myself having to like... Um, Again, my, my school is predominantly us, predominantly black people. And I'm looking at some of them just just off the cuff, just say shit that I know. I'm like, look, this, we all grew up in the same community. We all grew up around the same set of churches. So, so bro, like, let me stop you because before, you, before it's the wrong person hears you say this, and first of all, you're wrong anyway, let me correct you. And yeah, you around other people that are in the church. Yep. Nope, you're right. I mean, yeah, for people who are not aware, like it's just, I know I've seen too many people have to go through their life this way where they have to pretend to be something that they're not. They have to hide their sexuality because as some way, shape or form, they are very much connected in the black church and they know what would happen if people find out about their sexuality. And that's unfortunate. You should be able to be yourself and be who you are. Um, and I think that's something that as a community, we need to work on. We need to do better with that. Uh, pushing people out is not the answer. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think like the little we could start with the we could definitely start with the little things and correcting that behavior within our own people when we see it and and you know making sure we're careful about how we correct it too. And yeah, just start baby steps and then hopefully it makes a bigger difference in the long run. Hopefully. Right. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm going to bring in uh, Beckham. Bend it like Beckham. You are on the mic. Oh, hi there. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, um, I uh, I uh, called into uh, Brianna Joy Graves' show the other day also to say this because she was uh, talking about trans issues like I live in a house with a bunch of other trans people and uh, 
like none of us would have responded to Bette Midler's tweet about chest feeding. None of us care about, none of us had ever even heard that word before, you know? And, uh, like none of us care about Dave Chappelle. Um, like we care more about things like workplace protections. Um, so I, I, I've been thinking a lot cause I saw, uh, Caitlin Johnstone tweet, um, that, you know, she has a big leftist following and if she tweets something about, um, trans issues, she doesn't get the trans mob. And when she sees it happen to like celebrities, she like her read on it is that it's inorganic. Um, did, did you see that tweet that she did? I didn't see it. Uh, what do you mean when she says, um, it's inorganic? Like, like it's people pretending to be trans activists. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, and I think it totally could be like, I'm, I'm 36, you know, so maybe it's just that there's a huge age gap with how queer activism is happening. Um, and maybe it's that, you know, when you're like a teenager and you're like, a, you know, always online queer person, um, you know, like there's a weird feedback loop where you're only talking to each other because it kind of functions as a support group and not really as political activism or political discourse, but just kind of like we're all here supporting each other. Um, and then when there's discourse, there's not really like a thinking about strategy or optics or wait, do we even really care about this? You know, like in the whole world of like things that trans people care about. Cause most trans people are, going to face homelessness at some point. Um, and so it's hard to believe for me, given that reality that trans people want Dave Chappelle censored, but I, I, I will admit, like I've seen for a long time, like I'm on the West coast, <laughs> like I've lived up and down the West coast a bunch. And, uh, like in 2016, uh, I, I had been doing stand up actually for a couple years and, uh, I was like doing some jokes about how weird and like, uh, like this is a really quick joke I was telling that I was in Portland and someone told me he was a trans man and I misheard him. So I said, Oh, my name's Beckham. I'm a Buick. Cause I thought he said trans am. And that's why I had to leave Portland. You, probably, I guess you don't think it's that funny, but like, <laughs> Wait, I was trying you, to, you had to that? leave. No, like, I was telling a joke that, like, like I misheard someone who was telling me he was trans. I thought he was saying he was a trans am. So I said, oh, my name's Beckham. I'm a Buick. And so I had to leave Portland. Like, the joke is, like, no one can accept a joke. No one can accept a misunderstanding, like, in the queer community. Um, there's, like, a lot of, like, like it, there's this tension. Um, hmm. And, like, but I... I just kind of chalked it up to like kids being weird and like, hopefully they'll grow out of it, you know? But after Caitlin Johnstone's tweet, I'm like, I've been wondering if there's something like more nefarious at work, you know? Um, and also I just want to say real quick, like, like, like I would have tried to talk to these min young Minneapolis activists out of this. I would have been like, Hey, don't you, don't you think this is kind of like going to have a backlash against the queer community, <laughs> you know? Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know if Dave Chappelle is really like, if, 
if censored is the right word, like he's still on all his platforms, right? It was just this one theater that was like, we're not going to have you. And then he still said all the same things down the road, right? Yeah, and I have a question. I have a question, though. You know, I'm seriously thinking about this. Some things I just don't forget. And I want us all to remember, remember years ago, Dave Chappelle turned down $50 million. Does everybody remember that? It was when he was still doing Chappelle show. They offered him a $50 million contract. And Dave Chappelle, he talked to Oprah about it. And he said that it just didn't feel right with him. It didn't sit well with him. And remember, he got on the plane and he went to Africa. Mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle basically told Hollywood to screw off. Most people would have taken that contract. Most people would have not walked away from $50 million and then go to Africa and say, look, I'm gonna try to find myself, right? Yeah, I grew up in LA. It's a it's a really bitchy, vindictive place. And I could imagine someone holding a resentment for 10 years over that. And then right. getting their revenge now somehow. Like I don't know how the 40 rich people who run the country think, you know, but they're probably pretty spiteful and childish. Right. He did something you're not supposed to do to Hollywood. Yeah. You're not supposed to tell Hollywood to screw off. And so people still remember that. Hollywood still remembers that. So yeah. how do we know that this isn't just some kind of attempt to take Dave Chappelle down? And I say this because imagine if it was someone else. Imagine if it was Jerry Seinfeld who made those same jokes. Do you think they would be coming after Jerry Seinfeld the way they're coming after Dave Chappelle? I don't think so. It would probably be more like a one day thing like it was with Bette Midler. Like a one day distraction so we don't think about Ukraine, but for some reason they're trying to drag this out forever. Right. But yeah, I just I really want oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't think it would have gone on for as long as it did. I mean this this happened last year. When did this this uh stand up show? I think it might even be longer. It feels like it was before COVID. But um but like I said, I don't think most trans people, when we're thinking about like, oh, talking about trans issues and stuff, like Dave Chappelle doesn't come up like when we're all talking to each other about what's going on. Um, mm. So, so I, and I, I just really like, I'm afraid of the, I'm afraid of the backlash from this, you know? Uh, and I'm afraid that like the right wing is going to be the side of free speech. Um like, I'm afraid that they're going to co-opt free speech from the left. Um, mm. And I'm also afraid that the uh, populist left is going to be pulled socially right a little bit because of um, these really bad optics. Um, yep. You know, like, I, and I, I've been, like, watching Jimmy Dore the last couple weeks, and I feel like the the chat has gotten pretty turfy and uh i think that that's a, a a backlash to their feeling of like trans people are going after their free speech and trans people are distracting the left but like that's not that's not us trans people <laughs> like it's someone else co-opting us is how it feels can you please explain that to me um that acronym turf can you what what is what does that mean? I'm sorry. I'm I'm really not well informed. 
Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't use that word. Uh, but it, it means trans-exclusionary something feminist. <laughs> but I, I, like, I don't even, but like the colloquial use is just transphobic, I guess. So I think the, the actual meaning of the word doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know, it just kind of is like a synonym for transphobic. Oh, okay. But I'm not, I'm not calling Jimmy Dore transphobic. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying like, I'm not talking shit about his fans or anything. I like Jimmy Dore a lot. I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm just saying that like, I, I do, I feel like that there's chat that's more negative toward trans people um, because this is happening. Um, so it's like, no one's winning other than the people sending money to Ukraine, right? Because we're not talking about it. Yep. Nope, we're just talking right. about Ned Midler or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So I hope that uh, I hope that none of your fans are hating on trans people because this is part of why I want to call in. You know. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Beckham. I'm going to bring in Tyler. Yeah, thank you. All right, Tyler, you're on the mic. Hey, Sabby, love your show. Thanks for hosting. Um. I also wanted to say I really appreciated a lot of what Beckham just had to say, and I'm going to pick up on a few different of his points, if that's okay. Because um, I'm also a comic, and I'm also mid-30s. Um, I'm not, however, trans, so get that out of the way. Um, but my, my own perspective is that comedy is this art where those of us that prep bits ahead of time, we don't really know how the bits are going to sound when they're on stage necessarily. It's this thing that you kind of clunkily uncomfortably figure out in front of people. That's one reason there's so few people who are as good at it as Davis. And it's a thing like you write something down in your notebook and you think it's going to be a funny bit. And sometimes it kills but that's rare. And a lot of times, you know, there's something there, but you got to work it over and over and over again to get anything out of it. And, you know, half of them are just junk, right? And you got to just cross them out and move on. And it's this, and it's this kind of process of kind of moving material forward in this way that's supposed to be kind of uncomfortable and uncertain, right? And it's an art form that sort of like pushes the acceptable boundaries of, you know, what's, what's cool to do in our culture and where the jokes are cool to, to land and, and where it's not cool to land them. And the thing about laughter is that it's this involuntary nervous response, right? It's a, it's a reflex. You don't have any control over it. And so comedians go through their process by, you know, kind of figuring out what makes people scowl and cringe and what makes people giggle, right? Like, and you kind of figure out where the cultural mores are through this art form in part by like pushing the edges of them and like not getting laughs and feeling really uncomfortable and bombing your set, which really sucks a lot when you've crossed the line, right? Like, and that's what tells you when you've crossed the line. And when people are still having this, you know, involuntary gut laughter response because they're reacting involuntarily to something that you said, I'm sorry, you're still funny. That's still good comedy, right? And and Dave's got that. So my own perspective is, I, I, I do appreciate what Beckham said about 
you know, he was able to go down the road and say the very same thing. That's a, that's a point I hadn't thought about before. And I think it's very salient, but I, I do also think that with this art form in particular, we need to be cognizant of the fact that there's no editing process for us, right? Like you can put out a special. Yeah. And like when you go to Netflix, they'll ask you to take some things out if you're that good of a comic. Right. But like, for for those of us that just have clips surface on YouTube, for those of us like Dave who shoot off the hip, I mean, for example, Eddie Izzard doesn't prep bits at all, right? He goes on stage cold and he just riffs and the guy's a genius. And honestly, myself, like having done a few sets in my life ever, like I can't even imagine what that's like, right? But he is a master and he's put out multiple sets. He's pulled up multiple recorded you know, videotape specials that he's just like live off the cuff and he kills doing that. And he's hysterical doing that, but you can kind of watch the gears turn and watch him kind of like trying to come up with the next thing to say while he's recording a damn HBO special. It's incredible to watch him do it. But if this is the way that our culture is going to go, there's going to be no space for that level of creativity. No one's going to be able to kind of like push the envelope and come up with stuff on the fly and figure out what's funny and see where they get a response and where they don't. And like make good art that makes us all laugh for fuck's sake. And the last point I want to say is Beckham saying the people who benefit from all this are the people uh, sending money to Ukraine is incredibly salient. I mean, that just I uh, Taibbi's uh, conversation today about woke imperialism and the article that he recently wrote about it. Uh, I think I think dovetails directly with this conversation, um, and and I've I've kind of held the opinion for the long longest time that the more we get bogged down arguing about these domestic issues, the the more the military industrial complex gets to just play around the world at the cost of human lives, however they want. Uh, that was long and ranting and I'll sign off here so that someone else can talk to you, Savvy. Thank you very kindly for hosting the show. I'm sorry. I can, uh, I can go off on tangents sometimes. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, I really appreciated what you said. And it's, it's good to hear from someone who also does comedy. Um, because I, I do want to ask you this question. Do you feel that you have to self-censor yourself sometimes with comedy? So I'll be honest, I have not been out doing sets since before COVID. And I was kind of starting to feel like there's some stuff I just don't really want to write bits about because I don't really want to deal with the blowback before COVID. Um, and, gotcha. and, 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 and since then, I don't, I don't really know what it's like out there, to be honest with you. And I kind of I need to dust the cobwebs off and start doing open mics and stuff again. But I'm not, I'm not any kind of like, you know, big name comic or anything. So, so to me, being plugged in really recently to exactly what the comedy culture is like, I'm not, I'm not the guy to ask. But I will say, gosh, me being like a regular open micer, would I kind of take the risk of like making jokes about trans people today? Given that I'm like, I mean, you can look at my profile picture. That's what I look like. You know, I'm not welcome in a lot of these kind of woke conversations, right? I, I, I maybe would just choose not to write a bit about that if it, if, if one came to me, right? And it's not my community, so it's not the kind of bits that I would kind of write anyway. But like, 
gosh, I'm sorry. I know, I know I'm ranting um, or I I ranted already, but but another, another point I forgot to make. Am I the only one that saw Dave's last special? I think it was called the closer where he goes on a 45 minute diatribe about the close personal friend he had who was clearly trans and they had this deep personal connection and she received lots and lots of hate from the online community just yep. simply for having been friends with him and wound up taking her own like I, does, does does am i the only one that looks at this kinds of activism and 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 wonders with like a good deal of fear in his mind about like the actual real life negative consequences of doing this kind of stuff i'm sorry i'm, I'm going to get off my high horse now but i wanted to make that point before i did so no um i saw that special and it was interesting to me because some people that were criticizing uh, him for his remarks didn't even watch the special. They didn't even watch it, and they were already criticizing. And I'm like, I saw that special. I remember him telling that story, and I was also asking myself, why aren't people, the people who are criticizing him for his remarks, why aren't they bringing up that story that he told about his friend who was tra- transgender, like the story that you just told? I mean, they were leaving that part out. So again, I really think I feel like this is a coordinated attack. You know, at Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle walked away from the Hollywood entertainment industry, turned down 50 million dollars, came back years later and honestly is probably making more money now and is bigger than he was before. That's not something you're supposed to do to Hollywood. Right. I mean, I think I think I think your point about Hollywood is salient, but it's not one that I have a lot of insight on. But what I'll say about that story is. To me, that really looked like a really good, genuine, good faith attempt to, like, make peace, right? He took half of a multi-million dollar Netflix special. You know, not non, non-trans people, regular comedi- co- comedians who were watching him for the art were sitting there like, wow, he's still on this thing, really? Okay, well, this is really meaningful to him. Clearly, it was important to him. It was the message to to me. And, like... You know, you saw him go through that whole story and how meaningful it was and how much he, you know, actually gained from it and how significant these events were in his life. And this deep personal connection he had with this, you know, real life member of this community. And, you know, he stops at the end of it and goes, all right, so are we cool? Like, can we, can I just have a career? Can we be okay now? And like, here we are, what is it, two years later and there's still this stuff going on. I I, I don't know what the solution is, Savvy, but it's just... Uh, to, to me, you got to let a comic do his art. Um, and, you know, he's probably the, one of the, one of the best that's ever lived. And, and I, I, I also think Beckham's, Beckham's concern about backlash toward, towards the community that has really legitimate, you know, very serious concerns, I think is a really fair point. Not one I'm in the position to make, but one I can agree with from here, of course. I hear you. I hear you. Well, thanks so much for calling in Tyler. All right. Take care. Thanks guys. Be well. Alrighty. Okay. Scotty Allen is on the mic. Just have to hit unmute. Hello, Sammy. Hello. Uh, okay. So I see Dave Chappelle as probably one of the greatest comedians ever. Um, like his like observational comedy, his uh you know, his 
bits on race and um, a couple of bits of the how old is 15 bit and even the LGBT bit that he did and um, I forgot what special it was. I think it might have been the closer. I could be wrong. Which is why I'm going to say that um, he's veered into very anti-SJW like alt-right territory and it's very annoying like these past like three or four specials. In, in my opinion, I like the reason why this has become an issue is because ever since his deal with Netflix, he keeps talking about the same subject when, you know, people of that community are telling him, like, look, dude, you are not well-versed in the subject. You don't necessarily know what you're talking about. You're like, and you do a bad job of it. And you're not willing to actually really listen to people's concerns. And, like, it's funny that you mentioned his exit from Comedy Central because the, the story behind that, like, or at least the trigger, was um, he was doing a bit um, for the show. This was one of the things, not the whole thing, but, like, I think the trigger was he was doing a bit and it was the Pixies bit where it was talking about, like, racial stereotypes, and he said that a white person laughed so hard that it made him feel uncomfortable in a way. So one of the triggers is him, like, he said that he felt like he was being socially irresponsible with how his art was, like, being, like, presented to the wider public, and he didn't want... He even said his own offer. He didn't want black people to be disappointed in him. So it's odd that he would feel like, not feel that sort of issue, like, see why, um, like, people from another community, another marginalized group, would feel the same way. And, you know, as far as him talking about trans people, if you notice, he's not targeting... He's not going at uh, black trans people. He's not talking about black trans women in special. He's mostly, like, directing his, like, ire towards, like, white uh, liberal trans people, which he's obviously in Hollywood circles, and that's more likely the, the trans people he comes across. So he's not talking about those people, which is uh, basically erasure. And the guy, the, the last caller mentioned... Um, the story, the, the, the woman you're talking about, the trans woman you're talking about is Daphne Dorman. That's her name. Daphne Dorman. Uh, she, in the, he says that he was a friend of hers. This man knew her a total of three months. She had only did six stand-ups before meeting him. Like, he, he didn't really know her that well, and it, like... This was actually covered, like, a couple of people actually looked through her Twitter history and, because he was saying, well, people went after her on Twitter and, like, forced her to commit suicide. That turned out to be a damn lie. Like, there was, like, if you look through her history, like, most of the, the, the Twitter stuff she got, it wasn't necessarily that negative. Like, you know, reason why she was able to see this stuff is because she searched 
her her name. Like she would actually get into conversations with people defending Dave, and she, it turns out she was actually going through a lot of like inner turmoil. Like she had just gotten out of a a, a, a divorce. She lost custody of her, her child, her daughter. Um, she dealt with, you know, the issue of being trans in, like, San Francisco. Like, her roommate had talked about this on Facebook. That she, like, she was dealing with these issues. And, like, two years after her death, apparently Dave didn't even really, like, visit her, uh, the family that much. You know, and I find that, like, the f- I feel like he used her as a way to, like, like blunt the criticism that he was getting. Like, I feel like he kind of used, like, yeah, one of my best friends are trans, a trope, right? As, as, like, part of this, like, whole, like, reactionary stance he's taking, you know, like, and... Dave's, Dave ain't being canceled. Let's let's we gotta stop that nonsense. Like comedians are not really being canceled. Like Michael Richards is one of the only people I could think of, but like like seriously, First Avenue canceled like they canceled and then a bigger uh, a bigger uh venue picked it up. Right? Do Go talk, like, talk to me when he suffers the same fate as Eartha Kitt and Paul Robeson. You know about those people? Or the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, or the Dixie Chicks. And he even joked about uh, the, the Dixie Chicks and, um, um, for what it's worth. He said he wanted to say something about, like, the war, and he said after what they did to the Dixie Chicks, they would tear my black ass apart. And he's right, but, like, I mean, he's definitely right. They are the people that got canceled. And they were speaking about war. So he's speaking about another marginalized group. Like, he's, like, <laughs> it's not, like, he's not really breaking, he's not really being that brave with this comedy. Like, it's easy, like, black comics have been talking about, like, race for, like, since they've been allowed to do comedy, you know? Like, he's not really breaking rude ground. Like, Paul Robeson had to go, like, literally had the the government go after him during the uh, House on Un-American Activities uh, Committee. Like, he had his whole life destroyed. His family uh, believes that he... When he uh, he was like he was put into a mental institution, and they believed that he <clears throat> was put under mind control drugs by the CIA. Right, Eartha Kitt after she upset uh, who was it? LBJ, LBJ? No, Jimmy Carter's wife. Like uh, I think it was either Jimmy Carter's wife or LBJ's wife, but uh, it was during the Vietnam War, and. Because she was asking, I think she was asking, um, I forgot what the, the, the gist of the conversation was, but, uh, basically she upset her because she was talking about the issues within the, the black youth at that time, and she lost part of her career. She, like, she lost gigs of 
she had to go to Europe to get part of her career. I learned about her when I was a teenager, and I seen her in Boomerang. Like, Dave Chappelle is not being canceled. It, it, it frustrates me when I hear people complain about that shit with these, uh, these specials. Because, like, it's... I find it, like, the, the joke's sophomoric and lazy, and he's not... He's not showing himself to be one of the greatest of all time. Like, if I wanted to hear those type of jokes, I'd watch fucking Ben Shapiro or, like, Steven Crowder or the YouTube atheist community uh, back in the 2010s during Gamergate. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You, you think Dave Chappelle's jokes remind you of Ben Shapiro? It's the whole, like, anti-SJW, anti-woke, like, like, even look at their reactions to um, <clears throat> some of the uh, the critic, like, the um, the critics uh, to his specials, right? Back then, like, these people would not mess with Dave Chappelle, right? They, they're saying, like, oh, well, he's saving comedy, like, he's being brave against the the SJWs. No, he's not. It's the same lazy shit you guys are doing. Like I've seen this shit. I'm an older millennial. I'm like thirty. I'm thirty-seven years old. I've seen all this stuff. Like I've seen like the amazing atheist and like Thunderfoot. Uh, right. I've seen all this stuff. Like I like I. It's not new to me. It's not new to me. Like it. Like, he's just venturing in the same space that these people are in, and it's frustrating to watch because he's better than that. Okay, but I have a question then. Without Dave Chappelle, without the Chappelle show, do you still get the Key and Peele show? Because no. But, okay, uh, there's, there's yeah. Some, yeah, there's, there's some, I think, you know, there, there's something... I think that is a little bit special when it comes to Dave Chappelle's comedy, and in my opinion, because yeah. I feel like it really paved the way for people like Key and Pill, because Key and Pill basically took the same format the Chappelle show had and made the Key and Pill show. I kid you not. They took the same format, but they didn't. It was a lot less controversial, shall we say? Like, I mean, they they broached controversial topics, but. They weren't as skilled as him, and, like, they weren't, like, I'll put it to you this way. Back then, (laughs) they, like, Barack Obama would not have invited him uh, at that point to uh, the White House correspondence there. I mean, he did it, like, in his last years, but, like, they were considered more safe than Dave Chappelle is what I'm saying, right? Like, Dave Chappelle, I believe he's, like, one of the standards of comedians. Like, if I, like his earlier stuff, like, killing them softly for what it's worth. Like, I could get somebody to watch that stuff, and you could appreciate it, and, like, it aged well. Like, some of it, a lot of it didn't age well, but some of it did. Like, like I said, the, the how old is the... Uh, 15 joke. Um, some of the stuff these like, uh, where is Ja? Like, how we <laughs> we view celebrities. Like, where's Ja? Like, 
like like that like the I think the 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 specials that he's been doing it hasn't really held up to me because it just it feels like a Gen Xer hard trying to come to terms with like this new world he doesn't understand and he's just like leaning into it and it gets annoying after a while but I ain't going to be more of the hold up there I am uh, great show uh, Savvy Thanks so much for calling in Scott Okay uh, Jonathan you're on the mic Just got to hit unmute Hey, Sabrina, can you hear me? I can. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad it is Friday. I got to tell you that much. <laughs> well, um, as you know, I'm still on summer break, so but I don't. I go back to work <laughs> next week. Joy, fun. Um, I can say I'm going to speak on the aspect of somebody who's a part of the LGBTQ community, but I'm not trans. I will say this. Um, I was watching an episode on another um, show about this issue uh, when it was first, you know, when it was first viral. And the thing that they kept on saying, and this was this is a, fa- a panel um, full of people who were not part of the community. They was like, what is the ask? What is the ask? What is the ask? They just kept on saying that over and over again because it's like, okay, we hear you talking about the trans community when it comes to Dave Chappelle, but what was the ask? What are you asking for? Even Dave Chappelle said, I will sit and talk with you, but before you do, you need to watch the special. And like you said earlier, Sabrina, the person that you, the clip that you played, that person did not watch the special because I remember watching the closing. I kept on, and he was talking about um, trans people. And he was talking about, you know, white trans people. I kept on saying to myself, when is he going to talk about, when is he going to talk about, um, intersectionality and then he finally says something about the black trans community and how they don't get how uh, if I think it was a situation where he says something he did something in the restaurant and he said I can't remember exactly I don't have Netflix anymore but I remember him saying like okay if that was a black trans person they would not be able to do or say the same thing so okay he does recognize there's a difference between black and white when it comes to the trans community. So I'm like, okay, he gets that. I think the problem is, is when it comes to LGBTQ jokes, historically, you know, growing up watching um, comedians um, live in in color and live in color, the brunt of the joke was always people who were disabled or people who were, um, or excuse me, gay men, never gay women, gay men, they've always been the brunt of the joke. So now that we live, I guess, now we're, I guess, a little bit more progressive, it's like, okay, we're no longer the brunt of the joke because often that led to violence. And I think that's what the trans community is trying to say. But the thing about Dave Chappelle is that his jokes don't lead to violence. Now, Kevin Hart and Tracy Morgan, absolutely. Their jokes insinuated violence. That's why... Tracy Morgan had to go on TV and basically do a Jimmy Swagger and apologize. And um, Kevin Hart got pulled from the Oscars because his joke inside of violence where Dave Chappelle, it did not incite violence. So I think that what we're living in is that this thing where the trans community and, and for, for that reason, I'm going to say something that's going to sound very incorrect, but I'm just going to speak my truth. 
I don't have trans friends for the simple fact is that whenever there's a communication between me personally and the trans community, there's always seems to be some sort of breakdown where it's like, okay, you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't do this. And and I've heard of a comedian who was gay who had that same issue where they were like, when he spoke out about, um, was it Dave Chappelle or was it? Um, it might have been Dave Chappelle. No, 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 no. Macy Gray, that's what it was. Macy Gray. They were like, oh, you can't say that because you're not trans. You can't say, but he's given a perspective in defense of the trans community or from somebody or in the at and from the perspective of Macy Gray. So there's always the trans community always seems to be on the defensive side, but they never want to have a conversation. And like someone said earlier, it's ironic they choose the same trans people to always speak out, but they never ask of uh, people that the real activists, not the fake activists, the ones that go on TYT, I'm not going to say their names, but the real tr- activists that are on the front lines, they never speak to those people and ask them, well, what is your ask? What do you want? What do you hope to hope to accomplish? What would you like to see happen? So, uh, Sabrina? Yeah, I'm still here. I just mute myself because I have background noise. <laughs> okay. Well, that was all I really had to, had to say about that. What do you think? But what is, you know what, you brought up a good question. What is the ask? Like, I, re- I honestly really don't know. Like, what do they want? Do they do? Do people want him to just not do comedy? Do they want him to not make jokes about the transgender community? Do they want him to apologize? Like, what what do they want him to do? I I think they don't want, I just don't think they want the, the jokes. Um I don't I think that they feel like that if you're not a part of the community, you can't make jokes. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I think that he can make the jokes if they're done in good taste. Like the um the the joke that was just made a few minutes ago about um she said uh, um she thought she heard him say trans am and I was like, Oh, that is funny. Like I, I laughed because I thought it was funny. But there are some people who feel like, oh, you can't make that joke because you're not a part of that community. And I think that's wrong. So I think to ask for them, the trans community is saying, um, we don't want you to make those jokes. Because if his jokes insinuated violence, then I understand where they're coming from. But his, none of his jokes did that. And the closer was like somebody said, it was like a 45-minute rant on how he is not transphobic and how he was trying to prove that he was not transphobic. So I still don't even understand. I still don't even know what joke he told that proves that he quote unquote was transphobic. Now he did make a joke about fighting a lesbian, but and now now that was a violence, that was self defense, it was a different scenario. But I can see what somebody said. Well, I actually I think somebody did say that on your program. I think it might have been Kimberly, but they were like, Oh, he's did you think it was funny that he hit a woman? I'm like, No, that wasn't him being Ike Turner. He was basically defending himself by saying, listen, hey, back up. You're getting too close. Back up. Back up. Okay. You're not backing up. No problem. Got to defend myself. So I think that's what the ask is. The ask is not to make the jokes, but I think that's, not, I don't think that's fair. In fact, I was thinking about, you remember, um, remember Ricky Smiley back in the day when he was first coming out? Yep. Remember, he, you remember he was, some, um, who used to mock all the time? Yep. Like what was <laughs> He used to make and remember Lil Daryl? Yep. 
And now you can't do little Daryl. You cannot. And I remember little Daryl was funny. But now you can't do. Well, he had to switch over to do Miss Bernice Jenkins. So things like that. I was even watching, like you said, I think you and JB were talking about how you watch Living Color now. And I just cringe. I'm like, oh, my God. They, they couldn't do that now. They couldn't say that now. And actually, I was just watching. Oh, my God. I was just watching a, a movie review of Blank Man. And they said, if you think about it, Blank Man was autistic. Yep. I was like, wow. I never, and I, it, 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 I was like, wow, that's, he was autistic. So now you, and now today you cannot make a movie like Black Man at all. So, I mean, are we being too PC where we can't make jokes? Or are we just so sensitive that we don't want to offend people? So, but I, to answer your question, I'm sorry, I'm going off on tangent. I think the ask is that they just don't want them to make jokes, but I think that. I think that's wrong. I think that you can make jokes as long as it's done done in good taste. It's a good point. Um, I've seen comedians uh, make racial jokes a lot, you know, like that's been in comedy for what decades. Right. And would that be next? Like, that's that's something I'm wondering, like, what happens if people come back and say, oh, you guys, you can't make racial jokes anymore. Well, how that's like half of comedy. That I see, like when I when I watch stand up acts, what comedian doesn't make a racial joke at some point, whether it's about their own race or another one? So it's just, I just don't know how far this is going to go. That's the problem, and it's not even so much of um me thinking that Dave Chappelle is actually uh, canceled per se. I think Dave Chappelle is going to be fine, but it opens the door to another question, which is how far is censorship going? To the point where now comedians can't talk about certain things. I mean, I don't know how old everyone is in the chat, but I grew up watching In Living Color. And In Living Color was freaking hilarious to me. You can't do some of the skits that they used to do in Living Color, like regularly. You can't do that today. They had a skit where they actually, for those who are not aware, they had a skit where it was um uh one of the Wayans brothers, no, two of the Wayans brothers. And they were uh, movie critics, and they used to. It was one way. It was sorry. It was one way in brothers. The other one was David Allen Greer, Man in America, and we are through. Sorry, go ahead. That's right. That's right. And they used to do this thing where they were movie critics, and they used to say, "Hated it," but obviously, like they were portraying, they were pretending to be gay men. You couldn't do that today. They would be roasted for that. But back then, everybody, people were laughing and. You can't do it now. Uh, there's other ones as well. I mean, if you look at the skit that um, Jim Carrey used to do on In Living Color, where he was the female uh, bodybuilder. Yes, I remember him. Yeah, probably couldn't do that one today now either. So it's just like, again, like I said, if if this is the way that people, the direction people were going in, then hell, you might as well throw out Eddie Murphy's Raw. You might as well throw out anything you have from Richard Pryor, uh, Red Fox, all those comedians. Andrew Dice Clay don't even walk in that direction because there's some things Andrew Dice Clay said that I was like, well, damn. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and take the next caller. And that is Andrew. You are on the mic. Hey, Sabby. Hello. Hi. I was just going to talk about my take on uh, the Dave Chappelle stuff, and uh, it aligns with some things that other people have said. 
Um, so, um, Hollywood has a connection to the CIA, right? We know that from Operation Mockingbird. And uh, I think the deep state often tries to drive the narrative, um, especially in you know media, social media. They have all their fingers and everything. And so um, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So I'll just say it, that it seems like uh, that, this whole Dave Chappelle thing could easily be some kind of conspiracy from Hollywood or from people who are driving the narrative. And I want to zoom out a little bit because um, I think that the censorship that's happening that happens in America is usually allows this type of stuff usually allows for people to say gross things like things that I think are really disgusting. We don't censor, you know, pornography. We don't censor a lot of things. And I think that it creates a toxic atmosphere. Um, and, uh, so for me, I just, I think it's really interesting, um, because it's, it's the conflict that is the outcome that they want. Right. I don't think that they really care because, um, like people can get on the internet and go and look up like the most disgusting things and, and all of that stuff could be censored. For example, like in China, if you're in another country, like if you're in China or something, then they'll, their censorship, they'll censor pornography. So if you're a kid and you get on your phone and you try to look at pornography, you're not going to find it in China. You're going to get Things, the things that come up on the algorithm are going to be things that are going to be like good for you, good for you, like good for your your uh, education or or something like this, and um, and I think that that is part like so for me like I couldn't care less about Dave Chappelle like I think I think that Dave Chappelle um, says things that that um, are you know, subservient to the goals of the empire, which is why he gets promoted and which is why he fits in well with Netflix and stuff, you know, because he's not saying, he's saying things that are, you know, they're gross, they're disgusting, they're, they're shocking, but they're not actually like, he's not exercising his freedom of speech in the way that I think that it was meant to be used, which is to protect um, democracy or protect the, uh, people who don't have as much, um, you know, ability to, to speak up. Like they don't have a huge platform, like say for instance, like Julian Assange or something like you're never going to see somebody like Dave Chappelle say something about Julian Assange. Um, or like, you know, become like all of a sudden become an activist because they're just subservient. Like they're, they're servants to the, to the imperialist class. And, and I think that's why they're selected. And I think that most of them are narcissistic and self-centered. And I think that that's kind of what they select for. They select for people like Bill Gates and, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos, like Bill Gates is a pedophile. You know, he's selected because he's a nar narcissist. Dave Chappelle, honestly, I think he's a, like a narcissist. And he, I think he's self-centered. I don't really care about all these things, you know, that he says, and I, but uh, I think that he was definitely selected. 
And, uh, and I do go to church. I go to church. I, I, I grew up an atheist um, and agnostic. And so I never went to church as a kid. But as an adult, I've been going to church. I go to a, a pretty progressive LDS ward. And uh, they give a lot of talks about the LGBTQ community. They talk about, um, in testimony, people will talk about how we need to accept the LGBTQ community, how, you know, one in four people are going to end up being LGBTQ. And, and people will come to church with the uh, rainbow pin on their, on their shirt. And even in a stake conference, which is, a you know, w- when we get all the ward families together, in a stake conference, there was a member who gave up and gave a testimony about how we need to, you know, change some things. And I don't think that we will change anything for a while, but um, I think that at least, you know, I think people are pretty much on the same page that, um, you know, there's uh, in the church, in my church, in, in the wider area, it's, it's changing. Like people are, are recognizing that that you know Jesus like God is uh, the father of everybody like God wants everybody to be happy and it really you know th- that issue is not uh, it's not like what God would want God wouldn't want people to like make other people feel bad God wants people to make other people feel happy you know so I mean that's just the basic thing. That's interesting to hear, Andrew. Um, I mean, I'm glad to hear that, you know, some churches are like talking differently about LGBTQ um, because, you know, that is one of the the turnoffs for some people. They may want to go to a church, but they know like the rhetoric that they're going to hear about people like them. So I think that's good to hear. I would really like to see that same energy make its way over to the black church as well. Because again, it's, it's a problem, particularly more so in the South. That's why we used to call it the Bible Belt, particularly more so in the South, because this is the reason, part of the reason why I think we have this problem of homophobia in the African American community. And that doesn't mean, obviously, it's not everyone that's Black is homophobic, but a lot of it has to do with the teachings that come from the Black church. And so what happens is you end up with people that, feel like they can't be honest about their sexuality. So they do what makes the black community feel comfortable, even to the point where they may marry someone of a different sex, just to make the church and the black community feel comfortable. And, you know, that's not, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy living that kind of life. And I think I would really like that message to go towards the, the black church as well, because I just, I, I can't, nothing is, is worse to me than seeing that people can't be their self because of what the community will say. Um, but thank you so much for that, Andrew. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Tim, you're on the mic. You just have to press unmute. Hello, Sabi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. A um, couple of things. First off, what, whatever was, um, can we find out what Scotty was uh, smoking? Because if he heard Dave Chappelle's comedy and instantly thought of Shapiro, 
he must be smoking some good shit and uh, I'd like to get my hands on some of that and uh, <laughs> um, second of all I think when people are trying to censor what Dave Chappelle is saying it's how people try to say he doesn't have, he doesn't know he doesn't have an experience whatever he's speaking of his experience that he had with a trans person and that's his story so I don't understand how people can say what he can and cannot say about what his experience was I think that's bullshit um, I, I find his comedy funny I don't find it offensive at all um, I think people who don't understand what comedy is and the tool of comedy probably shouldn't be trying to censor people um, I think a lot of people are too woke is not the word I want to use uh, sensitive who don't know how to laugh, you know, even at yourself. Like if you can't understand when something is funny about what, what, about who you are, like I'm a fat man. I know there are certain chairs that won't hold me if I sit on them. And if I sit on one and it does happen to snap and break, I could expect people to laugh at that because it's fucking funny. And guess what? I'd probably laugh myself because it's stupid to think, okay, yeah, this tiny little plastic chair is going to hold a 500-pound man. Probably not going to happen. But, you know, I think people are too too sensitive about that. And uh, this last caller about saying going to church to learn about LGBT people, that's probably not <laughs> a good place to go to learn about church. And, and talking about what God loves or God wants, uh, maybe he needs to read the Bible before he can say that. Um did read Exodus 21 and then and then come back to me and tell me that your God is good. <laughs> Tim got Tim, you have jokes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just find it so ridiculous. I mean, people are too sensitive and people are trying to control people's speech. You know, I mean, I, I see it all the time with, with other comedians, too, where they tell a joke and then somebody tries to say what their joke was and they tell a completely different story on what, what was said. Like, it's the same words, but the way they deliver it is it's totally different to what the context of what the joke was. And I think that is where the dishonesty comes in. You know, if you have a, a comedian that's truly being honest with their joke and, and, and being direct with it. And then you have somebody else coming in and then now saying, oh, what he said was this, this, and this. You just, yeah, it, it written looks looks a certain way. But if you're there listening to what he actually said, it's not, that's not the context. Mm. Tim, let me ask you a question. Do you mm -hmm. think that they are specifically targeting Dave Chappelle? I mean, why not any other comedian who's also made jokes about the trans community? They're targeting Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle's the best. I mean, who who else would have all got canceled from one one arena and then turned around and said, "Okay, fuck it, put it there the same night," and then sold it out? Who who else has that kind of power to to to, to pull them kind of fans? Like, you know what I mean? And 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 the ridiculousness of seventy something people giving that that many that much like, that that's not even democracy. Like seventy something people have the power to silence, you know, to, to decide what the world hears. That's bullshit. Interesting too. I remember when Dave Chappelle was in. Have you guys seen the movie Half Baked? Mm-hmm. 
I remember when Dave Chappelle was at Half Baked. That was before he was really popular. Before he was big, yeah. Before he was big, and I think he was also in The Nutty Professor. I think he played the, the comedian uh, that did the little stand-up bit there. Um, oh. But, you know, Dave Chappelle came a long way. It's not like he just, you know, blew up overnight. He'd been doing this for a long time. And I right. think that... Again, I just think about the people that you would not, you know, probably wouldn't have had had the role that they had had it not been for Dave Chappelle. Like, seriously, like, would we have mm-hmm. had it on that show? Right. You know? That's, I mean, but, that's but, the but, truth. But I feel like also, too, I feel like, have people seriously never seen Chappelle show? Dave Chappelle would be fun of everybody. Because it's not about... I don't think it's about that. I think it's literally people who who look for... It's kind of like that person that used to go around suing all these businesses that didn't have a, a, a ramp for a real wheelchair. Even if it was like a small mom and pop business that was just like, they've been there for 50 some odd years and this was never an issue when they... You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden they don't have a ramp so now they got to close their whole business down because this person sued them for all this money. And he went around doing that. And I think this is the same type of thing that's happening. I don't think it's all conspiracy theory like the homeboy thought with like Hollywood's going after him and all that shit. I don't think it's that shit. I just think it's literally like there are a small group of people, just like the 70 some people on that list that signed that that stupid petition that said, you know, you know that, that, that are deciding, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll target him and keep going after him. You know, it's just, it's, I don't think it's that, you know, some type of like, you know, conspiracy specifically against Dave Chappelle. But I think it's because he is the one he has. He has the biggest platform. He can he can sell out any arena he wants to right now. You know, he has power to do so. So people want to then, you know, find a find a way to be a social justice warrior without really fighting people who really are anti-trans and and you know what I mean? They choose the easy target rather than to fight the real fight. And I think that's what's more detrimental to the movement. Those are good points, Kim. Kim, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next call. Thank you. You have a wonderful evening. All right, Greg, you are now on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hello. Yeah, so a lot of good uh, commentary so far. Um, and um, so I'm not going to, I think I'm not going to beat the Dave Chappelle thing to death because, you know, I think people have said everything that I was going to say. But just to expand this um, in a broader sense as far as um, censorship is concerned, um, if you want to look, if you want to see what it's like when society attempts to regulate, free speech and censorship, all you got to do is look at movie ratings and just kind of take a step back and see how logically consistent they are. Now, um, when I was a kid, I remember it was one of the premium channels like Cinemax or something like that had like marathons of Freddy Krueger. And there's a scene in like the first Nightmare on Elm Street where Johnny Depp's character gets pulled into side of his bed and then just shot out in his gut shot out in the form of a Johnny Depp smoothie. Um, so that's rated R. Okay. That's, 
um, okay, you're not supposed to go without an adult, but you're we're not going to go out of your way to make sure you don't. And that's that's the rated R level. Um, meanwhile, if you make a movie that shows someone certain parts of a body for too many seconds, they don't even need to be doing anything, just standing there. That's in C-17, which is like the kiss of death as far as marketing your movie. Now, why does it make any sense? Now, I'm not saying that kids should see nudity and porn all the time, but why does it make any sense that seeing parts of the body naturally is worse than someone's guts being splattered up onto the ceiling? Um, so, I, the, and there's actually a pretty good documentary called This Film Has Not Been Rated. Um, and it's about the MPAA and how secretive they are and how inconsistent they are. Um, and it's just like, you just need to look at that as an example of what happens when our society attempts to censor and try to set, set standards for what is good to put, to put out there. So, um, I'm just going to leave it with that, you know, you know, free speech all the way, because we do not know how to, to regulate it in any way that it is actually principled. So uh, that's my piece there. Good points. Um, I just want to add in here, too, in reference to like the ratings and the censorship. It's like when it comes to like body parts, per se, I feel like the United States um the society that we have here, the culture that we have here in the United States, it kind of, in a way, it teaches you to, that nudity is like a bad thing. It's just something I've noticed with U.S. culture. I did not experience this in Germany. I remember they used to have, I don't know if they still have this, but they had this this channel called Sky uh, in Europe. And it was like uh, our version of cable here. They used to have news programs in Europe that they had women come on to do the news and they were topless. And this was like over there, that was nothing. Like nobody cared. Nobody, nobody was like, oh my God, take that down. How dare you? But meanwhile, like you would never see something like that here in the United States because we have really, you know, grown up in this culture here where nudity is considered taboo you can't like like greg was saying you can't show like a body part but you can show like more like violent things and that's okay so it's just like i think american culture has always had like this puritan aspect to it in a sense that like there's just certain things that you're not really supposed to i guess talk about or show or display and I'm not sure if that's because of the way that this country was settled. Um, I'm not sure if it's because like, you know, the dominant religion here, I think for the most part is Christianity. I'm not sure where it comes from, but there does seem to be more taboo here over those types of things than in other countries that I've lived in. This is something that I have noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I won't keep you, but um, great conversation. You know, keep keep up the good work. Thanks so much. All right. Oh, Scotty is back. Scotty's back with a vengeance. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> hey, I got to say, like, I wasn't saying that he's like Ben Shapiro. What I was saying was he's a bit 
he's wearing a sort of the same territory, like, with the whole anti-SJW, anti-woke stuff. Like, if you, like, kind of scratch, like, beneath the surface, there's a lot of, like, like, racist, like, uh, homophobia, uh, stuff going on within, like, these spaces, and, and, like, that's sort of stuff I'm talking about, like, it's kind of like, it's disguised as critique of, of, you know, these people saying that they care about those issues, and really, like, Okay, I'll give you an example. Like Pascal Robert, uh, you you've been interviewed. You've interviewed him before, right? Hello, Savvy. Interviewed who? Uh, Pascal Robert. Uh, he does the uh, This Is Revolutionary pod, uh, Revolution podcast. Yes. With Jason Miles. Yeah. Yeah. And he was uh he was talking about like uh the whole issue with like. The 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 term woke, right? There's critiques on like that, and I also I will say like I agree with I think it was the last caller that said that um people are like go so hard on culture because like they it's hard for them to win battles on the economic issues, but it's easier for them to win on the cultural issues. So that's why the whole thing with, like, <laughs> language and, like, the stretching, like, language and intersectionality. So I get that. What I'm saying is, like, the whole anti-SJW thing, it, it, it just seems lazy. It doesn't seem well thought out. And I just kind of feel like he's way, he's above that. He doesn't need to do that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's a lot better than, like, just some hacks on the internet like those guys. Like, and I'm, uh, I'm an atheist. I'm a black atheist. So I know what it's like to actually not be able to be myself within the black community. <clears throat> right? But I saw some of the same nonsense in... In the um, YouTube atheist community, like where they veered into the same territory, and then what happens? You get situations like Gamergate, where they created this whole atmosphere for terrible atmosphere on women, for women on uh, the internet, uh, especially within the atheist community, where they made. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole Gamergate situation, but it's it's too it's too long to actually talk about. So, like, look it up. Uh, it deals with a lot of people involved in like the alt right community that crossed over into the YouTube atheist community, and they made it like that community a very toxic place. And so, I'm seeing him doing this type of comedy. Or I'm, uh, it's just kind of like, it's uncomfortable to watch, because I see the same shit, it's, like, I told you, I'm an older millennial, this stuff is not new to me, you know, I see, like, I've seen it done, and it just, it's just, like, it, it's just not good, I'll just put it to you that way, it just, it, it looks tacky, it doesn't look like somebody who would be considered one of the greatest comedians of all time. Like, dude, you know? 
do you think uh, younger Chappelle comedy was better? I think that younger younger Chappelle wouldn't have didn't harp too much on like the stuff that he's doing now. Like it's like dog, it's four specials now. You're talking about the same issue that you're responding to critics from the last special you did about the trans issue, and you still haven't gotten better on the subject. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, just, I sent you in the chat um, the last uh, Facebook post of uh, Daphne Dorman, his uh, quote-unquote friend that he was talking about, which is essentially her, her suicide note. And in that post, like, you see this in real time, right? You see... Um, the family trying to, you know, find her and what happened to her, and none of them, and then, you know, you see it happen in real time, they actually report, you know, they found her, and what's crazy is, I forgot to mention in the last call, they said, uh, her friend said, it's crazy that he would even mention how she died in this special, when, if you actually look it up, it wasn't even reported in how she died. You know what I'm saying? Like, and she died the same way like um, another rapper named Capital Steve's. Uh, if you ever uh, heard about him, he used to be in pro era. Like, they reported on how he passed away. There were no reports on how Daphne Dorman passed away, like, in her local paper. Her, her family didn't run that stuff reported. Right, her family didn't even talk about that, but you use this woman as a prop for your in your special to talk about uh, as a way to like blunt any of the criticism. I I didn't think that was cool. I I, I think like he just he found a way to come back. Like he doesn't necessarily like what he sees in like popular culture now, and like he's just veering into like get off my lawn territory. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> I, I mean, you laugh, but I, I, I just—that's how I feel. Like, I—it's just like dog. I, I'm a fan of '90s boom bap shit, but you don't see me co uh, complain about mumble rap. Like, like I don't really give a fuck. Like, I'm not like like now. Some does some of the stage well, no, but I can be critical of that. You ain't gonna sit there and see say. You're going to see a guy dressed up as a bus driver and threaten his, uh, to punch his wife in the face uh, like you did in Honeymooners. You ain't going to see that shit in TV. You know, but you know what? That's a great thing. You can look at stuff from back then and say, like, okay, that wasn't cool. Like, we shouldn't. That wasn't cool to do back then. We're not doing that now. Like, you, like you grow and you learn. You know what I'm saying? Like... There's certain stuff like Beastie Boys. Like Beastie Boys was able to grow with their music. Right? They didn't do some of the same stuff they did in their early career. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they became better mus musicians for it because they were able to grow on that. And unfortunately, like, I don't see the growth within the past decade. Uh, with Chappelle. That's a good point. That's interesting, Scotty. Thank you so much. I'm going to bring in uh, CR here as the next caller. 
All right, CI, I'm CR. Sorry, you're on the mic. Hey, Savvy, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Um, okay, yeah. So I had quite a number of these things here. See if I can respond to. Let's hear. Uh, let's. You want to. You want to date ourselves here real quick. Like, uh, you know, our age. You remember. Uh, you remember the term PC. Yep. See, this is the. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> the Gen Z seem to think that this is all their own. Their own. Their own fucking creation. Sorry to break it to all you guys, but since you weren't alive in the '90s, like me and Sabrina were, we'll let you know. There's nothing new about the shit that you guys are doing. All this stuff where they keep ter- throwing around the term woke, which they're using it completely wrong. Uh, um, you know, you and I know that. It's just a replacement for the fucking PC craze of the 90s when everybody was freaking out about these people being too far left or too open and this kind of stuff or, you know, you know, the crazy, you know, pink haired college kids, right? Everybody that was around that time should know better that this is just a relabeling, a recycling of, of, of just tropes that have been used to keep us squabbling about dumb, stupid social shit when instead of we us getting together and working on important things. I was going to add, um, I remember South Park made a, uh, an episode making fun of PC. I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, PC principal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are those are great episodes. But I just mean in the in the sense that like uh if you just uh, you remember the movie PCU? Uh the movie about the college kids and they go to the campus that's all super P, uh, politically correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I I love that movie when I was younger for whatever reason. Uh stupid college humor probably. But I, I just like to be hearing this stuff. It's like you guys throw around woke using the term completely fucking wrong. Like everybody that originally started, you know, like I'm from Oakland, you know, here in the, the San Francisco Bay Area, <clears throat> we started using that term a long time ago. That was from somebody who kind of got out of the mainstream pipeline, kind of woke up to understand that most of everything that they were being told to, told to them by the mainstream news and their government was lies and that their government didn't have their best interest at heart and that, you know what I mean? The CIA done a bunch of these different things or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, having some awareness of things that have been going on around you for a long time that you did not notice because you were basically asleep like everybody else. And then somehow that got morphed into this other attached to like this politically correct bullshit. And it, and then it turned into like a derogatory term. I'm like, how the heck is that a derogatory term? You would rather be a sheep. You know, all these people that are saying like, Oh yeah, fucking fuck the woke people. And I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with being more aware, being more awoken, right? Yeah, this has like gone on all my life. Like, I still remember when, and this really came about more so in the 90s. I remember when they started the term African American. Right. Before that, I was black. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember my black cousins, and I don't ever remember referring them to referring to them as my African American cousins. Really, you know, until yeah, that started stuff kind of happening and, and and whatnot it is it, it, it but to me there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, uh people think like oh we're getting more progressive we're learning to start to kind of like air these things out and work them out and becoming more inclusive it's like no you're not yeah, unfortunately yes it is a good thing to want to be more inclusive and more accepting of people but what you're actually doing is feeding into these narratives that have been designed for you to keep us squabbling over this shit 
while they make out the back door with all of our fucking money. Okay? You know what I mean? They keep fucking plundering, you know, our fucking money, our, our, our tax dollars, you know what I mean? Our fucking country sending billions of dollars to fucking places we don't need to be sending it, you know, <laughs> with the, the $40 billion package to Ukraine. Could have ended homelessness here in the United States with that money, but no, instead, you know, they're like, hey, we want to, we want to, what was it, 700 and uh, 760 billion. And that's what they asked for. That's what the military asked for. And then the fucking stupid Congress turns around and says, ah, we're just going to tack on an extra 80 billion or uh, whatever, you know what I mean? On top of that, it's like, what the flying fuck, you know? <laughs> it, it, they just, so there's just, it, to me, it's just, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Our, where our priorities are at. We're sitting here arguing about what the fuck Dave Chappelle can say in his own goddamn fucking art. I mean, I mean seriously, I mean, this, this kind of really irked me. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm so sick of hearing this about artists and jokes, art and jokes. And it's not the first time during my lifetime it's happened to artists. The first ones I remember, and like I said, they were canceled, canceled, was the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that the Dixie Chicks were against the Iraq war. They spoke out against it. Next thing I knew, people were burning their CDs. And it got to the yep. point for people who were not aware, Dixie Chicks couldn't even book concerts. Yep. They weren't allowed to book at any venues. Like, they were canceled, I think, for at least a good 10 years. Yep. Like, this stuff is it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, artists have always pushed the envelope. If you look back on history, they've always pushed the envelope, even going back to someone like Josephine Baker. She heavily mm. pushed the envelope. So I think that, you know, this idea that you're expecting these artists to be uh, PC, per se, especially comedians. Are you kidding me? Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Has anyone been to a comedy show? Have you watched comedians on TV? <laughs> I, it, 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 it bums me out because also, too, in this stupid fucking binary world like i say something i'm like a biden sucks and I'm like oh what are you a trumper it's like no fucking i hate trump too but i can also say something bad about the democrats without being for the republicans but that's the only way people will think right now is a stupid binary so if if the comedian's not saying the thing that they want them to say oh well then they're they're, they're immediately bad change the fucking channel don't watch the stand-up special but don't fucking demand that artists appease your stupid list of pc bullshit they have no obligation to do that whatsoever. And let me just buttress that with not all the jokes are their opinions. That's true. And I'm so sick of this. Like so many comedians, they say it over and over and over again. They're like, uh, Jim Jeffries is a perfect one. You know, he makes all these like ridiculous misogynistic jokes. And then he has to go and remind everybody when they print all these articles about it. Like Jim Jeffries believes you should be able to hit women. He's like, no, I don't. Not at all. It was a fucking joke in a bit. You know what I mean? Or like Ricky Gervais gets in trouble and he tells you, he goes, you know what? He's like, I'll act like I'm poor. I'll act like I'm rich. I'll act like I'm stupid. I'll act like I'm smart. He's like, I don't care. I'll do it for whatever the joke is, but that's not who I am. And they cannot separate the art from the individual. You know what I mean? It's like imagining that fucking Hieronymus Bosch wanted to fucking torture people in a hellscape because he drew fucking landscapes of hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fucking stupid. You know, like uh, not every bit of fucking art immediately translates to your political views. And, and then furthermore, even if you hate those political views and you think that's the case, wh who the fuck are you to be telling Dave Chappelle, oh, you have to be doing this. You have to tell this line. Oh, man, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop talking about that. 
it's just change the fucking channel. Just don't watch. Tell your friends, ah, I don't recommend watching that shit. It's rehashed. But don't go on some type of political crusade that, like, we have to fucking censor him. We have to shut down his shows. We have to get him kicked off of Netflix. Because what is that doing? How is that helping anybody at, at anything to, to push, push the stuff into the, uh, to the fringes and the outsides? Yeah, it just, it, it really is a dangerous line that they're walking now. That's what I'm saying. Like, are comedians going to have to start self-censoring themselves? I mean, that kind of, what kind of comedy are you going to have then? Like, really? I mean. Just regurgitating whatever people want to hear. Yeah, that's that'll be it. You're just a parrot to repeat what other people already say in their own echo chambers. That's what these people don't realize that that's what they're actually asking for. They're saying, I want my little feces protected. I have a little tiny worldview. And if you say something that goes against my little worldview, oh, well, then you're a bad artist. I, 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 <laughs> you know, for the life of me, I don't understand how they can square that kind of shit. It's like, it's he's not a fucking politician running for office. Let the guy say whatever the fuck he wants. If you don't like his jokes, don't listen. That's the nature of art. But it doesn't do us any good to be sitting here caught up arguing about, you know, Dave having the right stance on trans issues or anything. Who the fuck cares if he does? He has no power over my life. We should be focusing our ire on the people that have power over us rather than squabbling amongst each other about, oh, is he, has he lost it? Is any good? It's just, it's so stupid because it's it's now you know, tangentially uh, attached to all of these political issues like transgender issues and, and so on and so forth. And, and and you can't separate one from the other. You can't just like have a good discussion about is this quality art or not without getting into some stupid political debate. And I just don't, I don't see the value in that other than just being divisive. Yeah. All good points. I mean, I still remember when, um, and every time they did this uh, with the exception of the Dixie chicks, every time they did this, with a lot of musicians, it backfired. I remember when Congress was trying to cancel Snoop Dogg and, and oh, yeah. them. they were oh, like, yeah. their music is bad. It's a, they say bad things about women. They're calling women the B word. We shouldn't <laughs> sell their music. Like they literally, for people who are uh, pretty young in the chat, Congress was trying to make it so that Snoop and all the other peeps Dr. Dre and all of them could not sell their CDs in music stores. That's yep. how bad it was. They tried to cancel Eminem. Also, mm -hmm. that was Congress too. They wanted to cancel him too. Both of those incidents, it actually backfired. All that did was 100%. make Eminem and Snoop more popular. And you know, on that same token there, what else actually come mega old Tipper Gore? Oh, we love you. Remember, remember, remember what Tipper Gore brought us? Yep. The PS, P, was the PMRC, right? PMARC. I forget exactly what the acronym is, was, but basically they were the ones that were uh, responsible for the parental advisory sticker. Yeah. Many, many rappers have admitted they're like, oh man, it was a fucking blessing to get that on your CD. Cause that meant every motherfucking kid, especially suburban white kids, which have been the main purchasers of rap music over the decades. You yep. had to fucking have the CD now because you were telling them, oh, this is naughty and you can't have it. You tell a kid something's naughty and they can't have it. What do they do? Yep. It really backfired. It really <laughs> it backfired, backfired so much. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's it's funny. Actually, that's what I'm saying. Like, see, so you get it, man. This, there's nothing new under the sun here. They're running, they're running tired, tired old playbooks. The sad part about it is now is that these playbooks are somehow getting more effective. 
And I think the only reason that is is because of the divisiveness that they've been able to achieve now in this country, you know, through the control of, you know, the media, the internet, you know, um, so on and so forth. So yeah, they've, uh, they've really got us, they've really got us fucking just spitting in each other's faces for no reason, you know, hating people because, oh, you like Dave Chappelle? I can't hang with you now anymore. You must be a transphobe. I'm like, yeah, some of his trans jokes suck, but who cares? That's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's what, that's, there's no skin off my fucking bag. And, and, and you know what I mean? If you have an issue with trans rights, then go fucking do that. No, right, you know, don't waste your time giving me shit <laughs> because I like Dave Chappelle. And I do. I, I like Dave Chappelle, you know, a lot. Uh, um, do do I wish sometimes that he was kind of a little more on the uh, the uh, Killing Them Softly album, you know, uh, um, you know, early uh, Chappelle show days? Yeah, some of that stuff. I you know watched some of it the other day. I'm like, man, this shit is holds up. It's great, you know. Um, do some of his new specials will they hold up as well? I don't know, maybe not. But to me, that's okay. I would rather see him just keep trying and trying new things rather than just give me what he thinks that I want. Does that make sense? Yeah, well said. And people may not remember this um, either, but also in the 90s, they tried to cancel Marilyn Manson. I do remember. Yeah, and I wasn't a, a fan of Marilyn Manson, but I was just like, if you think that Marilyn Manson is gross or disgusting, it's simple. Don't buy his music. Don't watch his videos. You don't have to like cancel the guy because you don't like what he has to say or what he does like during his shows. I mean, come on. Like you think Marilyn Manson was the first like shock person. Does anyone remember Ozzy Osbourne? Come <laughs> Alice on. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Exactly. <laughs> wow, yeah. man. You know, and, and all, on, on, just to kind of pivot a little bit there on that kind of, that kind of Christian uh, bullshit there to the nudity thing you guys were talking about earlier. I think that is really in this country, a majorly, majorly a product of uh, the Christian, uh, fascist, you know what I mean? What, what what Chris Hedges refers to as this perverted form of Christianity that the, yep. the, the Christian right in America has, you know, made out of it because, you know, like as, as he says, you know, like they're, <laughs> these people are blasphemous completely. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't represent what, you know, what their own fucking book says and they're using it as a tool to, to control people, to control society, control women specifically and to control language, which is a form of controlling thought. So they don't do these things. They're trying to protect children. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not fucking, uh, uh repealing Roe versus Wade because they really think it's killing a life. It is about controlling women, period. End of sentence. You know what I mean? <clears throat> And, and I've had some of my Christian friends come at me. Had some of my Christian friends come at me when I said this, and they got really mad. They're like, that's not true. You don't know my beliefs. I do think it is murder. I do think you're murdering a baby. And I'm saying, where did you get this thought? You didn't come up with this thought on your own. This is put into your head by your Christian leaders. And where do they get this thought? From their own plan to fucking put women back in the kitchen where they belong in their mind. You know what I mean? So they're using this as a vehicle to try to control thought, control women's bodies, not to do anything actually Christian-like. And unfortunately, that's that's kind of led to, growing, like he said, like one of the other callers said, I, I always have thought the same thing too. I can watch somebody get shot up with a gun, but I can't watch somebody shoot a load. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of sense does that make? I, you know what I mean? As, most, or as it's been said before, I'd rather have my kid watch a porno than have him watch a, a war movie or something to that effect. 
And you know what? It's because of that mindset that we have in this country. This is why a lot of kids can't talk to their parents about sex. This is exactly why now teen pregnancy rate has gone down. But I remember in the 90s, there was a problem, a big problem in this country with teen pregnancy. And part of it had to do with the fact that these kids did not feel comfortable going to their parents and saying, mom and dad, like, I would like to get on birth control or I would like to, you know, buy condoms or whatever. Because it was more, you know, America is a conservative country. This is what I keep trying to tell people. And I think that, you know, had had we had more openness here about sexuality, about nudity in this country, then people probably would have felt more comfortable having those conversations with their parents. But I mean, it's just it's it's kind of sad. You see that, like, someone who is a teenager and they have a boyfriend and Obviously, they get to that point where they want to be physically intimate with them. They can't even go to their parents and have the discussion. So it gets to the point where you have teenage girls having babies. Like, remember the woman that had the baby at the prom? Yeah. Nobody knew she, her parents didn't even know she was pregnant. Nobody knew. Yeah. It's just like, this is the kind of like society we have in this country. It's just, they make sex and sexuality such a shameful thing here. Yeah, and I remember you couldn't. I can remember in the early '90s, a lot of times the, the the pharmacists would deny you. They wouldn't let you. Oh, you're too young to buy condoms. It's like, well, I'm gonna go fuck anyways. So, do you want to give me the condoms to protect myself and to protect my partner, or you want me just to go raw dog it? And they would look at you with a straight face. I'm not gonna sell you condoms. And they would f- just force these kids to go out there. You know what I mean? It's like it was like the the, the abstinence only that they, some of the places they found. That in uh, uh, these places that different parts of states in the country that really push abstinence only, it, it was an, they had an explosion in oral and anal sex amongst young kids. Yep, because they were like, "Oh, we found a loophole. God, God will understand. This is a loophole." <laughs> yep, no, it's true. It's true. Well, you know, see, so, yeah. thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to this. Will be our last caller is Ashura. Thank you for taking my call. How are you doing? Thanks so much. All right, Ashura, you're the last caller. Make it count. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you don't get any callers tonight. <laughs> Normally, uh, you have a full list. <laughs> We've gone through a couple of people. Uh, not so, not so much. It seems like nobody wants to talk about Dave Chappelle. Most of them just want to listen. And I got a couple of, uh, I got a, maybe two things I want to say though. You say Monday, Rokana's coming in. Yes. Oh, you you better you, you better uh, you know bring something to basically bludgeon uh, Rokana for me because uh, I'm going to be very critical of that interview. I don't want any softness on Rokana. I want well, no, there won't be any softness. Huh? There won't be any softness. Oh, I hope I, I, I hope it's not. I hope not. I, I, I'm, you're the only one I, I know that would probably make him squirm. Um, uh, well, to, well, to be fair, Jink Uger interviewed him last year, and Jink was yelling at him the whole time. So there was that. That oh, that Jink? No, 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 no. That, not the one I saw. I saw him basically almost one of. He was basically sucking off Rokana. That's what I saw. Oh, I didn't see that one, but I saw the well, one. This, this was right yep. after they decided not to uh, hold the line on that infrastructure bill. 
Because I saw one video where Kyle Kalinske was praising Jenk uh, Uger, and I'm like, do you want to go back on TYT or something? And, and it was just softball questions to Rokana and basically pretending he was mad at Rokana. And uh, I'm wishing, like, uh, you better, I'm like, you better, I better bring your A game on Monday because I'm going to probably not go to work to watch this one. No. <laughs> And uh, uh, my second uh, question: um, did, did you did you did you see all the specials from Netflix from Dave Chappelle? There was one uh, I see. I see. Um, Angela Sangster said in the chat it was uh, the thing about uh, the LGBT in the car. You ever saw that that segment part where the LGBT are in the car and there's a guy in short pants that came in and they they shook him in the back with the cues. You didn't see yeah. that. Yeah, that that part was funny. I'm like, how does people say that Dave Chappelle is he's, he's anti-LGBT and he's saying a joke that's not even, it's not bad. I mean, there are some people, even on the Jimmy Dore show, when Jimmy Dore does call, call in, there are some LGBT people that call in and say, we're not the same as these other you know, members of the community, like, especially like the queers, they, they just want to basically cause trouble for us. We don't, we don't ride with them. We're not looking to basically do anything else. We just want to basically go go to work, enjoy our life, and anytime they see I, they, they they see them do trouble, they just they just run the other way. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it's, it's good to hear. Like you know, me and JB talked about it. Both of us watched that Netflix uh, special, The Closer. I've seen all of Dave Chappelle's uh, specials on Netflix. And we talked about it on stream and JB said so himself, you know, he said, look, I'm LGBTQ. He said um, that he wasn't offended. Um, you know, I mean, everybody has different levels of tolerance, I think. And I think that if you're the type of person where you are um, somewhat sensitive to these issues, then maybe that may not be the show for you to watch. I mean, there was a bunch of excuses uh, today. Even some say that Dave Chappelle is like, uh, he's part of the CIA or some shit. I'm like, really? So he's the establishment now? <laughs> so, so if we, if, if, if we let the activists take down, uh, Dave Chappelle, that means that we're basically going to get a, a good government now. Is Dave Chappelle controlling Joe Biden? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, yeah, some guy said like he was a conspiracy theorist. He said he's CIA, like Dave Chappelle's part of the CIA or some shit. I'm like, really? He's the establishment now, Dave Chappelle. So if they take down Dave Chappelle, does that mean they were in the right direction now? The country's gonna go, go in the right direction. We're not gonna send money to Ukraine anymore. If we take down Dave Chappelle, we're gonna get a Medicare for all. If we take down Dave Chappelle. We're going to get gay rights now if we take down Dave Chappelle. <laughs> so, so, what? Is it Putin's fault that Dave Chappelle's in trouble? Mm. If Dave Chappelle's a Putin... Is Dave Chappelle now a Putin puppet? Because everything's Putin now. Well, you do, yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't come next. I will say that. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to basically put that on Twitter. Like it, it it's all Putin's fault. Like Putin made Dave Chappelle like LGBT hater. <laughs> oh, man. yeah, because Dave Chappelle has never, I've never said anything negative. I've, I've heard about the LGBT. Like his jokes have always been constructive. They've always been constructive. I've never seen him basically say, hey, go fucking punch a gay person, go kill a gay person right after his show is, has ended. Nothing. 
And he, he and he always basically, if the joke doesn't land for some people, we, he explains the joke right in that venue. So I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? If you're saying you don't like the jokes he's saying, don't watch it. If you don't, if you don't like the, uh, you don't like the specials, don't watch it. Then why, why are you bitching? He said, "Oh, did you hear what Dave Chappelle said?" And if you say you don't like Dave Chappelle, then don't fucking go watch this, so you can just get your fucking rocks off over Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, but see, that's the thing, Ashura. That's how I could tell some of the people that were complaining didn't actually watch the episode. They didn't even watch the special. I'm like, what are you talking about? He explains all this in the special, so I was just like. You guys are just overreacting to maybe you might have seen like a short little clip or a tweet and didn't actually watch the full episode yourself. And and people react to these sound bites, you know? But I will say, Sabi, in their defense, I'm pretty sure there's some of them who may have watched the entire thing, but just don't give a shit. I'm pretty sure there's a percentage that watch everything, but don't give a shit because it's Dave Chappelle. He says jokes. They don't like Dave Chappelle says jokes about everybody. Black, white, Asian, <laughs> even um, gender. Did you, do you remember this joke he said about um uh Asians? He like he was do he was said he was doing a joke. There was a, a pregnant woman who was Asian, along with a, a guy who was Mexican, and he asked him where they came from, and he was like, Yo, I'm Mexican, bro. And then afterwards the woman was pretending like she was coughing because he was smoking. <laughs> and then basically, as uh, as the woman was leaving, saying, "I will never listen to your fucking uh, fucking DVDs again. They buy your fucking DVDs again, Dave Chappelle." And Dave Chappelle just looked at it and says, "In my in, in the in the defense, lady, Chinese don't buy DVDs." <laughs> I remember. I remember. Like I said, like I think if you know if you go back and you watch Chappelle show, what would they say about that? You know. Oh, I mean, seeing how they want to censor jokes nowadays, like, who wants to fucking go to a comedy show and basically hear mouth jokes? Jokes that are fucking contained. They are just contained to, for some, some section of the, of the, of the, of the, of the populace that don't want to hear, like, I, I want to hear Roger. I want to hear people basically cuss and say all that shit. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is. Uh, I don't think I. I, I would want to watch a team Like if you look at um, Saturday Night Live, I think I stopped watching it. Like Saturday Night Live stopped being funny. It used to be like left and right. They were basically go after everybody. Now it's just one section. They go after just the right wingers, and they protect the Democrats. Like that's I'm not. Gonna be, I'm going to be honest with you, Ashura. To me, SNL hasn't been funny since the '90s. Like, honestly, like that whole, when that whole crew left, the crew with, um, Adam Sandler, Phil Hartman, um, oh my gosh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Norm MacDonald, like that whole, that Adam Sandler, uh, era of, of, uh, SNL. I honestly don't feel like SNL has been funny since the nineties. And I've tried multiple times to watch SNL every now and then they'll have a really funny skit. But I'm talking like back then you could sit through the whole segment and you just yeah. laugh like they were hilarious. Yeah, now they're just they're just pro Democrat now. Like everything is just against the Republicans. Everything is just hiding everything for the Democrats. I'm like, you're not you're not being you're not being honest here, and you're not you're not doing comedy. This is selective comedy. 
Yeah, it is. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, it's more like all political now. Yeah, I just, you know, it, listen, there was nothing or no one more funnier to me, in my opinion, than, um, the motivational speaker. It was a character on SNL during the nineties and it was, um, Chris Farley played that character. He was hilarious on SNL. And it's just, you don't see that now. The people that they have on SNL now barely make me chuckle. And I'm just like, these these guys are nowhere near as funny as the crew that came through in the 90s. Uh, what, about those two, what about those two guys that uh, do the anchor news? That, aren't they kind of funny themselves? Uh... I mean, you know, like, what, you, you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? There's the white guy who's basically married to uh, Scott Johansson and the other black guy. Yeah, I mean, they're OK. It's just if you saw the people that came before them, you would think differently. That's the thing. The people who came before them were funnier. It just I don't know. I, I feel like SNL has changed a lot. Even like um, if you go back and watch the old school episodes of SNL when like Eddie Murphy used to be on there. Um, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, like even those, those episodes, like they were so much funnier, but like, as the years have gone by, they have seriously just digressed. Like if you look at a lot of the big uh, stars from the nineties cast on SNL, they got movie careers. And once they got their movie careers, they peaced out because you know, that SNL schedule, it's a, that's a hectic schedule. Sometimes mm. they don't find out because um, Kenan Thompson uh, said this, that sometimes they don't find out what skits they're actually doing until that day. So, I mean, it just, it's just not the same. I'm sorry, but like they need new writers. They really do. I, I remember like staying up late on Saturday nights to watch SNL. Oh, I was like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, because if, if 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 these like activists, these fake activists, if they get their way and they take out Dave Chappelle, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be this is this will be the end of comedy, like basically for black comedy that is. You got certain uh, comedians that are that are still um basically they're trying to take him out. Like Ricky Gervais doesn't give a fuck. Like Ricky Ricky Gervais will call him out. <laughs> I like Ricky Gervais. There's the other guy that was on the Mandalorian. Forgot what his name. He's a comedian. Uh, Bill Burr. Oh, he's funny. He doesn't give a fuck. Yep. So the, it, to me, it's like those three guys right now is basically what's keeping comedy, comedy basically for what it is. And if you take these guys out, I'm like, well, get ready for SNL comedy now to be what you're going to be paying for on comedy shows. Oh, God, that's scary. Yeah, because I, I heard somebody in the chat that they, they tried to even cancel Jimmy Dore was canceled. I don't know if Jimmy Dore was canceled, but Jimmy Dore has always said that he's done his shows like over and over and over. I've watched the show. I've watched the Jimmy Dore show every day, and I don't think he's ever said he's been canceled yet. Yeah, I think they've they've tried to, especially with that, when um Force the Vote came around some people. Wait, they tried to cancel him when Foster Vote came around? I, I would probably think between the vaccines would be the one they would want to cancel him. Well, I think TYT's been trying to cancel Jimmy Dore since Force the Vote. Like, really? to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, they were heavily against. They smeared Force the Vote. Even though the majority of their audience was actually for it. 
TYT smeared it. And they lost subscribers after that. Yeah, they went back up. Uh, I, I see something funny going on on the shitlip networks. I see them going back up in numbers now. Um, Kyle Galinsky, I thought he was going to go back, back down in a 1960K. And he's gone back up. That's probably because he... he with Roe v. Wade being overturned, and probably he did that interview on, on the Vanguard. Yeah, shit, which mostly wasn't even an interview. It was basically them shitting on Jimmy Dore the entire time. Uh, I see them go back up. I see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam Cedar going back up. They're going back up only because of Roe v. Wade, not because they're doing good content. Mm. Roe v. Wade got taken down, and I'm, and I'm watching this, and I don't know if you uh, listen to the Black Authority or Professor Professor Truth, Black Truth, and um, they do have criticisms of the LGBT community, and they say sometimes, look, most Black people are not going to join you because most of them basically think about, or they they basically talk about issues that affects them around the table. They're not going to go for superficial shit like LGBT rights or anything. They want to know what's going to feed their families. And I think that's the problem when, when they say, well, black people are homophobes. But no, some of them just don't, they don't roll with that. That doesn't mean that if you don't go to a, a gay protest that you're LGBT, you're anti-LGBT, it's just that's not your thing. And you don't have any ill will against LGBT people. Mm, that's and, interesting. Uh, yeah. And um, and one of them, one time they said that, well, um, they looked at all the issues that was have happened um, with the Biden administration. Everybody seems to win except black people. It's like Asian people, they got their uh, they got their uh, lynching laws. Even black people have been trying to get asked for that. Nope, they don't get one. Go back, go in the back of the line. The Asians get them. They get, they get their thing. They be asking for reparations. Guess what? The Latinos that uh, Donald Trump basically took their children from, they got reparations, like $450,000 each family got that one. I'm like, really? You can't give black people reparations? You got to start a committee? But you're giving these families $450,000 each. Yeah, well, you know what? All I can say is come 2024, maybe that'll be reflected this time when people vote. Because I have noticed, you know, uh, there's a group called Foundational Black Americans. They are not having it. I mean, this this should have happened a long time ago where black people should have stood up and said, why do we keep having to vote for you? when You're not doing anything for our community. Yeah, because uh, I heard that the LGBTs just got a you talked about a, like a vote they got in, like a, some vote law to protect them. And uh, when you were talking about it, I thought it was kind of weird the way you said it, that the law had like an a interracial marriage. Yes, they included interracial marriage in that bill as well. But again, that bill passed in the House. It hasn't passed in the Senate yet. Wait, 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 wait. Well, but the, I thought interracial marriage was like done around the 1960s after the civil rights era. It wasn't codified into law. No. What the fuck? There's a lot of things. I don't know. Maybe I should do a segment about this on my show. There's a lot of things that were passed by the Supreme Court, but it's not codified into law. So you're telling me since 1963, almost everything Dr. King did, and by, and also by extension, Malcolm X, you did t- you tell me that they've never codified it. It's there, but they, they're not really doing anything to basically put the stamp on it, put the nail on it, and just be done with that shit once and for all? 
So you mean tell me that people in general, like if you if you decide to, I don't know, let's say the court decides to annul your marriage with her husband, could they basically do that to you? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good question, but you see, they did the same thing with same sex marriage. Yeah, the Supreme Court uh, voted to you know make it so that it's it's legal uh, to have same sex marriage, but they didn't codify that into law either. Yeah, but, but the part of the part about me that that got me confused is when the it said that it was in a gay bill. I'm like, what is a marriage between like people like um, I know interracial relationships? It could be like you could have gay people that are black, white, and that could make an interracial relationship. But since we were talking, we were talking about Terrence How was it Terrence Howard? Uh, Thomas Thomas, uh, what's the name again? That that judge, black judge, uh, Clarence Thomas. He's married to a white woman. So you said because it affected him, so he had to put it in there, or they had to put it in there. So, but the guy is straight. He, he's he's not he's not gay. So that's the part that was confusing to me. Why is that a bill that's about uh, interracial relationship has to affect him? It, he's a straight well, guy. He's not gay. Well, this is what they do with bills, though. They put multiple items in it so that if you are opposed to one but you approve of the other nine times out of 10, you're going to vote for the legislation to pass anyway. That's how, for example, that, uh, the, the crime bill, yeah, the crime bills, actually there were crime bills. The reason why Bernie Sanders voted to approve Joe Biden's crime bills is because that legislation also included the violence against women to act in it. You see what I mean? That's how yeah. they're able to get those things to pass. So they knew, let's knock out two birds with one stone. Let's go ahead and add the interracial marriage piece to this as well to codify both of them into law at the same time. So then we don't okay, have to but, worry about the Supreme but, Court trying to overturn those. Yeah, but but if they wanted to have like if they wanted to have an inter, interracial relationship bill, but wouldn't that that be more specific to gay people, LGBT people? Because you know that straight people are not going to get that kind of bullshit. But I don't know what interracial interrelation relations people. I don't know if that. I, I I'm surprised that basically that, that that this is a thing in 2022 that somehow even interrelational interrelational relationships basically is is a bad thing that somehow it wasn't codified. Yeah, I mean, welcome to our justice system. I mean, that's just that's that's fucking ridiculous. Listen, I, I hate to tell everybody this too, but if you look at some of these blue laws that are still in the books in some of these states, there are still things that can be done in those states because it's an old blue law because they never took it off the books. There are still some things like that. Like it just, especially like uh, down South, I know there were a couple of things when I lived in North Carolina and South Carolina that were still in the um, included in the blue laws. And I was just like, why is that even still there? Why hasn't that been removed? So there are all kind of things that they can do. I mean, it's it's like, for example, so interracial marriage, had they not included that in and that was overturned in the Supreme Court, I don't think it would be overturned because, like I said, Clarence Thomas is going to vote against that. But if it was overturned in the Supreme Court, then that would have been thrown back up to the states. And then we'd have another loving uh, versus Virginia where. Now it's up to the states to decide whether or not you can get married as an interracial couple. This is crazy. 2022. 
Yeah, because I, I assume that bill was like a, a, a gay a gay bill for interracial relationship, not for straight people. I, I, I saw it like that. And my last thing I'll say, um, when it comes to the bill that you mentioned that Bernie uh, voted for the crime bill, like, how do you basically go vote for a bill that basically goes and fucks up, fucks up black people? But then the bill said it protects women as if black people don't have women. How, how, how are you going to make that distinction and still vote for a bill? That's a good question, Ashura. But I, I don't even think that bill was just those two items. No, it, it's just how the bill was worded. Like, it's a bill to protect women. I, I know that some black women go to, uh, they get basically beaten by their spouses or their significant others. But to vote for a bill that you know it's going to protect women, but there are black women as women, and then you basically go around and fuck black people, even though basically they, the police will arrest black men and women. So that's like, uh, that's a weird well, bill to me. The crime bill, it's not like the crime bill said, we are going to target black and brown communities. <laughs> the crime bill basically said we're going to make certain uh, punishments, especially when it comes to the drug offenses, we're going to make those harsher offenses. So it is not like the bill said we are going after black and brown communities. So that's it has something to do with the way that it's worded. And, and no offense, you know, to Bernie Sanders, but you got to understand Bernie Sanders live in Vermont. And I don't know if anyone here has ever like been to Vermont, but that's like a close neighboring state to me. I've been to Vermont multiple times. There are not that many black people in Vermont. So there's just something to keep in mind. So I don't know, but that's the thing about bills that I will say that I do not like. I don't like the fact that they put so many items in one bill. It's like if you want to get one thing passed, it's like you got to vote for the entire bill so that that one piece gets passed. So do you think it's by design? Oh, absolutely. Because to funnel everything in one bill, why why not just vote vote on every bill one by one? That way you don't have to stack everything inside because nobody's going to have time to watch to to see what's inside everything. They'll They'll just randomly pick one that looks good. That's right. No, you're 100% right about that. I mean, I learned how bills work in high school because I was on the debate team and we used to have to write bills. So that's actually where I learned like what a bill actually looks like. And that's why some of these things that get passed, you just be like, how the hell did that pass? What else was included in that bill? You know, and you guys, you can look at these bills online, by the way. It's uh, public information and you can see, you can look the stuff up for yourself and see what items are included in this bill. Now, that's one of the things that was brought to my attention about the Medicare for all bill. Someone brought it to my attention before that if you actually look at that bill, that what Bernie Sanders was telling you about the bill wasn't a hundred percent true. I still have it all the way what through. About, the uh, what about the what's her face's bill, uh, Jayapal? Because I know Kyle Kalinsky always brought her up, hers up because it was much quicker than Bernie's. Or, or is hers better than Bernie's, or could it could, could they have just mixed it up a bit? Um, from what I saw when I looked up the bill, it said Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal. Because uh, the way the way I, I would the, the way I heard it is because he had his own bill and Jennifer had her own bill, but hers was much quicker. Bernie's was was supposed to be phased in four years later. Look it up. Look it up now because I looked at this recently and it had both of their names on it. 
Mm. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, like you think, they, you think they abandoned one of them? One of them abandoned their their version and basically stuck to the other one. They could have. I mean, especially if they were somewhat similar. Um, but I will also say too. I mean, <laughs> why isn't Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal trying to push that bill to the floor? Because they're basically done fighting. <laughs> they're done yep. fighting now. I'm surprised nobody figured out that Bernie wanted to get uh, fucking. Uh, uh, he he he. Does Bernie has don? Do you know if Bernie has donors, like secret donors, like millionaires? Because I've I've been told that, but I'm I'm careful about saying that kind of stuff unless I have receipts. If I don't have receipts, I don't repeat it. Okay, but uh, but the other squads basically, it, it's for sure they they basically have secret donors. I'm surprised AOC sold out very quickly. I mean, I thought Jamal Bowman was the biggest sprinter, but it turns out AOC is the biggest one. <laughs> if you guys knew where AOC came from, you wouldn't feel that way. I mean, she has everybody. She basically goes against Amazon or all these other big tech people. She's getting paid by them. I'm like, what the fuck? Who's do, who's the who's the PR person doing the, be, the this this the best spins like this to the point where nobody basically knows that she's basically uh she she's this much of a fucking venomous spider. Well, you know they're smart about it. Like I said, like it'll say Amazon. And it'll say type of donor, individual pack. So this is another way of doing it. You can say, oh, yeah, I got all those individual donations from Amazon, but they were individual donations. If somebody gave you $25,000 and it came from Google, I'm willing to bet somebody on her campaign team contacted those companies. You still contacting the business. So it's just that's another way of doing it. So that way you can say, look, these are all individual donations. Yeah, but they coming from the people at the company. You see what I mean? Like that's that's the problem. It could have been one person at Google that wrote a fat ass check and wrote it out in their name, or it could have been multiple people at Google. But twenty five thousand dollars is a lot of money. Have you um have you uh re looked up uh, the article you said when they got fake arrest they got arrested like um is is that really a thing the bullshit they said about you have to put your hands behind your back in order to in order to look like you're being arrested even though if a cop told you to put your hands behind the back where, where why didn't he put the handcuffs on them the cops didn't tell them to put their hands behind their back. Every time I've seen someone get arrested, the cops say, keep your hands where I can see them. Okay. And then the cop, then the cop puts your puts your hands behind your back and puts the handcuffs on. Yeah, because when I, when I saw them do that, I'm like, okay, they're putting their hand behind the back before the cops tell them to. So they're probably doing some kind of civil disobedience there. And, and uh, okay, so they put their hands behind the back, but the cop's not handcuffing them. I'm like, well, something's weird here. Right. And then did, they, have, did they take them to a jail? Where's the mugshot? Yeah, I mean, well, she said they got a mugshot. I mean, AOC said so. I mean, she's not a liar. <laughs> <laughs> she said they 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 they, they got they got took into the police. They got to the police station. Some people said they got taken to the corner. It's just so know. much. It's just so much privilege because the thing is, is like. You can get on Twitter and show everybody that you got this ticket for $50 and like, look, hey, check out my $50 ticket and look, 
This is our arrest. I was arrested, but hey, it was worth it. Yeah, you got to walk away with your life. So would you take the would you take the ticket or the mugshot? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if she says she got arrested, they took them to the jail. Where's the mugshot? <laughs> most people don't show you a ticket. They show you their mugshot. Look, we were yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would want to see that what the mugshot mug looks like. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be AOC's, AOC's face at the gala, maybe. Listen, let me tell you, when Paula G. Swearingen got arrested, when she was protesting on the Capitol steps, Paula G. Swearingen went to jail. That's the difference. She was in jail, and she was there for, I, I would say, at least a couple hours. I think they got released later on that night. So do you have uh, receipts on the other squad members? Like, um, I know Rashida Tlaib likes to talk shit about Palestine because she's from Palestine, but she has grandmother there. But I heard she's taking money from Israel or basically she signs off for Israel to bomb Palestine. Ilhan Omar's doing the same shit for uh, Somalia. I don't know if she's taking money from Israel. There's actually an Israel pack out against her. Because I heard, yeah, because I heard somewhere that basically she's okay with Israel just bombing other places in her country, and and, and Omar is another person. I don't know if she's um, Talib is doing that exactly, but I know Ilhan Omar is doing that exactly. She doesn't give a fuck. He will let her country fucking get bombed. Well, remember, it's not their country anymore. Ilhan Omar doesn't live there anymore. She's not affected. Anytime you show up to an event and your own community boos you, she showed up at an event and the audience members, they were from Somalia. They booed her. Oh, are you sure, Sabi? Are you sure they booed her? Uh, so I heard people said that they, were, they weren't booing her. They were saying booyah. <laughs> they were, they were doing the stage. They didn't even want to let her talk. Uh, they were doing, they were doing the cyborg chant. Booyah! That's what they were doing. <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. But I mean, sure. uh, yeah, if, if you're going to leave, okay, it's fine. Yeah, it's twelve twenty-two. Yeah, Sabby has to go night night. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I will want to say, uh, you know, shout out to uh, CR for reminding me about PC because I had forgotten about that for a while. But yeah, absolutely. Woke is not like a, a new thing. There was PC before that. And so I still remember coming home from school and telling my dad that my teacher said we are African-American. And my dad said, <laughs> my dad said, you have never been to Africa. You're black. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't even identify as black anymore. I mean, I, I know it's, it's a colonial slave slave term. Because when I when I used to I used to live in Haiti, they used to basically have a, a a brief history book, and they would make you fucking be wild about Christopher Columbus. They would tell you he was a great guy, that uh, he basically uh, <coughs> brought slaves. He, well, they they give the history of what the slavery in Haiti, but they they basically glorified this man. And then within the book, they told you that uh, there exists like four races on the planet. They basically started with the white man first, then then they called the black man, and then they called the the, the Asians. They called them the yellow race, and then you have the 
people, basically, the Indian, Indians, they call them the rednecks, the red, red, red skins, basically. And I'm looking at it now, I'm like, I don't want to identify as black anymore. That's a slave term. So I'm like, I'd rather you just call me uh, African descent or basically call me African. Because what, why the fuck would you want to call me black? Because that's like a, that's 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 a stigma. It, it, it's always white people that tend to change who we are as a people, regardless of where we're, we're from. But they're gonna stigmatize us the same. You can't escape the stigma of being uh, descendants of slaves. You can't escape the fact that they call you black. They call you multiple names. I, I've seen that white people basically get called like two names, and we get like six, seven names. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's interesting. I do have to head out, though. Yeah, um, yeah. But thanks thanks so much, you guys, uh, for hanging with me tonight. Um, please have a good weekend. And don't forget, uh, I'll have that special interview on Monday. So have a good weekend, guys. And I'm ending the call-in episode now. <laughs>